right, amen. You can be seated. And uh, the kid, Fernanda, you, uh, uh, you know, yesterday I, I kind of texted you and said, hey, man, Terry's out of town. You're still doing kids, right? And I, I was kind of thinking that you were at a disadvantage because you, you didn't have Terry. But then I realized Terry's another kid. So exactly. there will be more donuts for the rest of you kids, all right? So on your mark, get set, go. All right, heading off. Right on. All right. And Carol, I do thank you for that concern because, uh, yeah, I thank you for that concern. And I am grateful that I don't have what you thought I had. So praise God. Um, but listen, man, last night um, I did an experiment. Um, and, what, and what I did was uh, I, I, took, I took my boat. God has blessed us with a killer fishing boat. And it's right in my driveway there. And it was all backed in. It's all clean, man. I cleaned the deck. I had... Uh, uh, everything just nice and spick and span, made sure all the dock lines were all good, had them attached, had the, the new anchor line that I'd kind of made and I'd braided and I was pretty proud of myself for doing. I, I took all kinds of fishing rods and I put it in every single fishing holder that there was. And I'd spared like, you know, I really didn't know what kind of fish I was going to be catching. So, man, I put fly rods in there. I put bait casting rods in there. I put spinning rods in there. I put trolling rods in there. I put every tackle box that I had in there. Man, the one, not only the one I use in the flats, but man, I put the one that I haven't used forever. All the tackle that I had, I put it all in the boat, and I made sure all that tackle had good sharp hooks. Man, it was awesome. On all of the rods that needed you know, fluorocarbon leaders, man, I did the double uni there. You, you got that one down yet, Rob? All right, double uni knot, and I, I got everything all nice, brand new leaders on it, made sure that I wasn't going to lose any big fish because of a, che a cheesy leader, you know, that had a nick in it. I had everything set up perfect, made sure there was gas in the boat, tank was full, man. Um, <coughs> had everything set up last night, and man, I was sure that with all of that equipment and with everything being in tip-top shape that I was going to catch some fish. Wouldn't you think so, Jack? Man, I better, dude. It's all there. I mean, dude, this is a Bass Pro Shop on a trailer, all right? Man, I had everything there. And you know what? I went to bed last night, and, um, man, I was praying I'd catch fish. I was praying for those fish, their hearts to be changed, and they would bite my lure and eat my bait. Man, I was praying hard. And, uh, man, all night long, every time I woke up, I was thinking about it again. I mean, I was consumed. My heart was consumed with catching fish. And, man, I, I was just so anxious when I got up first thing this morning, you know, before the sun even really kind of came out, I could not wait to go out to the boat that had been sitting in my driveway all night long. And I went out there, and I looked in the fish box, and guess how many fish I caught? How many fish I catch? None. Can you believe it? I had all that equipment, had everything prepared. I had, man, I had been watching YouTube videos on how to catch every kind of fish that those lures would catch. I was so set. I had everything prepared. I was trained. Everything was ready. And can you believe it? When I woke up in the morning, I looked in the fish box. How many fish were in there, Jack? None. None. Man, I guess the lures must not work. I guess the line might have been too thick of a you know, diameter and the fish might have seen it. Uh, I'm thinking maybe I had the wrong bait. Maybe it wasn't the right color for my street. I don't know. You know, I'm not, man, what is my problem? I could not catch fish. I had everything that you could want, everything you could need, everything that the show said I needed. And it was all there and it was ready to go, but I didn't catch any fish. Why did I not catch any fish? Al, why didn't I catch any fish? Because my boat never left the driveway. That's why I didn't catch fish, man. How that doesn't sound like the modern church, I do not know. Man, we have built the best aquariums with the best fluorescent light. We have put in the best bubble makers, you know, and little clamp. You know, we have put in everything, plastic plants, everything you could imagine. And, and, and yet the fish don't jump in the aquarium, right? We have the best boats, we have the best rods, we have the best lures, we have the best everything, but fish don't jump in a boat. Everybody say that, please. Fish don't jump in the boat. They don't jump in the boat. And in, man, we have access to more ways to share the gospel 
We have access to more Bibles than any other generation has had. We have access to more people than any other generation has had. I was sharing with Laura and, uh, and, and, and I think it was Pittsburgh Rob how, man, 30 years ago I was in seminary. And, and the seminary professor, we were talking about, the God, uh, about Revelation and how the prophets the, of God get struck down. And everybody in the world can somehow through some kind of technology. And we thought maybe it was going to be a hologram in the sky or something 30 years ago. They would all be able to see these prophets in Jerusalem struck down. And then those prophets would be raised from the dead or raised up right there. And everybody would get to see them in 30 years ago. Man, we, we, my professors were like, how in the world? We don't know. Maybe it's a hologram in the sky. Maybe there's some kind of technology where we can see everything that's going on in Jerusalem. Can you imagine a day where you could, everybody could pull out something and see something in the middle of the world? Can you guys imagine a day? Man, all we've got to do is pull out our phones now. We have access to more people, more information, more networks, more everything. But yet we're missing revival. And I think the reason that we're not catching fish for Christ is the same reason I didn't catch fish last night is because as well prepared as my boat was and every bit of my equipment and as thoroughly as I had studied and every answer that I had for every fish, man, my boat never left the driveway. And it's why it didn't catch fish. And that's the reason God has left us here. And so, man, I want to show you today through, um, JJ, I'm trying real hard, man. I'm pushing the down, oh, no, I'm not. I'm not pushing the down button. There it is. I was pushing the wrong button again. <laughs> I'm trying real hard, pushing the wrong button. There it is. But I want to show you through as we take a step away from Paul. That's what we've been seeing is how Paul has, uh, um, Paul got saved. And right away, as soon as Paul got saved, what did Jesus tell Peter? And what has he done with everyone? He said, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say you had to become one. You, some of you are like, dude, I hate fish. <laughs> I don't like fish, you know, and, and all that. But he said, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. So I have this little thing that I'd gotten like probably 20 years ago that's in my study. And it was just some wooden fish that were carved on a stringer. And I'll never forget, God convicted me one morning, probably 20 something years ago. And I made a little, a little uh, card to go on top of that that's there. And you know what it says? It says, if you ain't fishing, you ain't following. If you ain't fishing, you ain't following. I don't care what you say you're doing. I don't care who you say you're following. If you ain't fishing, you ain't following. Because he said, if you follow me, tell me this again, I. Exactly. He didn't say you have to come up with the skills, the talents, the temperament, the personality. He said, if you follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. And that doesn't mean we all do it the same way. It doesn't mean we have to be like the Jehovah Witnesses, beating on people's doors and, and, and always sharing the gospel that way. But I think what we're going to see is how he used Peter today and how he caught fish. How he used Peter and turned him from a, a person who caught physical fish and brought them to the eternal death and now changed them into a fisher of men where now he could take men who are dying eternally and give them eternal life. And so when, how does God catch fish? And I want you to remember three things. You know me, I got little hand signals. I got a few things to go in. So you will be able to remember this, all right? So everybody, are you loose? Are you ready? Does anybody need to stretch? So those of you who have bad shoulders, uh, you good to go? Is your shoulder, everybody stretch out, here we go. Okay, so the first thing, that we're going to see with Peter is everybody say me going. All right. Are you ready? Me going. You got it, man. Jack. Right. All right. So how does God catch fish? Me going. All right. All right. Some of y'all are too cool to do that. I can see, but that's all right. You're not going to remember. If you don't remember, you aren't going to do it. So the first thing is me going. Okay. The next thing is others knowing. And now that's not what you think it is, but it will make sense later. So we've got me going, others knowing, and him throwing, all right? He's throwing a net. Are we ready to go? Come on, everybody do it so nobody feels like a dork. How many of y'all say, dude, I feel like a dork doing this. I am not doing this. It's not children's church. It's not, it's you are nothing but grown-up children, I promise you. Is that not right, Yaron? Are we not all grown-up children? Yes, we are. All right, so everybody, are you ready? 
how does God fish? All right. It's me going, others knowing, and him throwing. All right. That's it. It's as simple as that. And he's going to use those three things in your life as you follow him to make you a fisher of men. This is not a message to beat you down and make you feel guilty because you didn't share the gospel in the last 15 years. That's not what this is. Or you didn't do it in the last 15 minutes. That's not the purpose of it. But to show you how he turned Peter from a fisher of fish into a fisher of men and watch Peter as he's full of the Holy Spirit use this. Because we're going to see Peter this week and next week. And then we'll get back to Paul. We'll be in Paul eternally because he wrote the rest of the New Testament. All right. So me going, others throwing and him, uh, others knowing and him throwing. Now, look at this in verse 32. We just ended with Paul like on fire for Christ, sharing the gospel and persecution. So they shipped Paul off to Tarsus where he was from and got him out of there and let him start sharing the gospel and and, and writing the New Testament. And at that time, it says the church had peace. The church was following the Holy Spirit's guiding. The church was walking with the Holy Spirit, finding peace in that. And they were prospering. Now we take a little side note at the end of this. It almost seems like it's not supposed to be here, but it's actually an introduction to the very next chapter that we're going to be looking at, chapter 10 in Acts. So in verse 32, it says, now it came to pass. Okay, that just means it started happening. As Peter went through all parts of the country. Look what had to happen. All right. It says, now it came to pass. Peter went through all parts of the country. Some people think St. Peter sitting at a pearly gate waiting to see if you did anything to tick off the church to see if you're going to be allowed into heaven or not. Some people think that St. Peter sat in a basilica in a cathedral in Jerusalem and pretty much called the shots and looked down on everyone. But Peter, like Paul, was an example to us all. Man, dude, that rhymes, doesn't it? I didn't even mean, dude, Holy Spirit, you're going now, bro. But anyways, but what I'm saying, man, he was an example. He wasn't somebody who just sat there and dictated out orders. Although some of you may have the gift of administration and please do use it. I need it. Do I not look like somebody who needs a gift? I need as much help with administration as I can get. So if you're gifted in that and God calls you to that, please help me. Okay, but not right now. But anyways, in this, Peter... <coughs> He was full of the Holy Spirit. And so as he was going, he as he was going, that's how he shared the gospel. How many of you have gone <laughs> as you were going? How many of y'all are recluses and you have not left your house all now? Some of you might have little kids and they were sick and that might help. But you still you went out on the Internet. How many of you sat in your house all week and never left? Probably not. Last week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I was sick and I did it, man. And I almost went postal worker on some people once I did get out. I can't do that. Most of us, even if we are in our house, we're outgoing. We're out on the internet. We're on the phone. We are outgoing somewhere. We have contact with people. And Tom, do I have contact with the same people you have contact with? Do you have contact with the same people Val has contact with at Vision Hairstyling? And Carl, you're married to her. Do you have contact with the same people that Val does? And you have the same contact as Carl? No. Do you think that's an accident? Do you think it's an accident that God puts us in different circles and have, we have different circles of influence and that he's left us here to minister to those people? It's no accident. That's his purpose in it. So I want you to know it's me going. All right. That's the first step of how God fishes is he has you going. Hey, have you got to go to a few places you haven't been in a while in the last three weeks or so? No, you didn't get to go to some doctor's offices and get your bones drilled by people that you do that every week? No, dude, that was, that, that's not an accident. We look at it as me figuring out what's wrong with me. But God's looking at it like, dude, I got someone for you to share me with. So I'm going to drill holes in your bones and you're going, oh, yeah, awesome. Isn't that what you said? No, oh, yeah. it's not what, no, it's not what I would say either. But when we see it from God's perspective, man, when we see it from God's perspective, even when he's fired up the belt sander with 40 grit sandpaper and he's shaping us, it may not feel good, but we know it's there by his design. And Peter knew that once he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, as it, it came to pass, as Peter went, so as you are going, me going, everybody come on, help me out one more time, just so I know you're awake, me going. Elena, that's awesome for some of you who didn't get into three in the morning, man. That was from your mom trolling your Facebook, all right? So, all right, but me going, me going. As you're going, understand it's not by accident. 
Man, everyone you encounter is by his design. So as Peter went through all parts of the country, not sitting in his office, not sitting in some hierarchical position, telling everybody else what to do, but as he was on his first missionary journey, that's really what this is. Peter, we think of Paul going on missionary journeys, but Peter went on missionary journeys. You go on missionary journeys. You go to Walmart today, dude, that's a missionary journey. Come to Fort Pierce Walmart tonight, and it may look like a club, but it's a missionary journey. I'm just saying, wherever you go, that's a missionary journey. So Peter, as he went through all parts of the country, he's traveling by foot 25 miles northwest out of Jerusalem, heading to the coastal town of Joppa. But before he gets there, it says that he also came down to the saints who dwell in Lydda. Now, if light is not the pronunciation, you can blame that on my little app that reads the Bible to me because I actually follow, I listen to the whole thing so I get the pronunciation right. It's Lida is what they said, all right? So he went to this place, Lida, which was uh, in between Joppa on the coast and Jerusalem. And so he came, look at what it also says here. He also came down to the, what's the next word? What's that word? Say it out. Saints. Who are saints? Is it St. Peter, St. Thomas, St. Aquinas, St. Saint, Saint Cyril, St. Uh, is it St. Milton and St. Susie and, and, and St. Robert? Are you a saint? Yeah. You know what this word, this is the first time that the believers are referred to as saints. St. Angela, doesn't that just have a ring to it? You can pull that on Brianna, too, every once in a while. Hey, you're talking to St. Angela here, all right? Well, I've been to St. lately. Well, you're talking to St. Brianna. <laughs> That's all right. So St. Bri and St. Angela are going to duke it out. Is that what we're saying? No. <clears throat> all right. Um, that can be a whole other show there. All right. But listen, this is the first time the church is referred to as saints. And I don't know about you, but me growing up, whenever I heard the word, oh, they're a saint. What do you think of, Rob, when someone says, oh, they're a saint, what are you thinking of? Woo, yeah, somebody who never messes up, somebody who always does good, somebody, isn't that what your idea of a saint is? But did you know that if you were a believer in Christ, you're a saint? And did you know that if you know your identity, you can live up to your identity a whole lot better? If maybe some of us don't want to be called saints because we don't want to live for that identity, possibly. But I think most of us basically don't look in the mirror and see a saint. How many of y'all looked in the mirror this morning and saw a saint? You know, hey, bro, did you see a saint this morning when you looked in the mirror? You said, oh, yeah, this, yeah, that, you are. And I think it's high time we start looking into our identity and realizing who we are and being that. Now, that doesn't mean we're perfect. But, you know, according to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says that there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but with the temptation, make a way to escape. In other words, what that means is the devil can't make you do anything. What that means is that you don't have to sin. It means you either get caught off guard and sin or you choose to sin or you believe the lie and believe you have to sin. But it, what it also means is that is that when you face sin and temptation and and you actually see that choice, you can choose not to because you are a what? You're a saint. Everybody say that. I am a saint. Oh, hey, let's do this. Put a halo over your head. I am a saint. Exactly. Because you know what the world wants to do? How many times the world wants to put this on your head, doesn't it? The world wants you to look in the mirror and see, I'm a loser, man. But instead, you just say, next time the world does that, say, I'm a saint. Because you are. A saint is simply, simply somebody who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And this is the first time we see the Bible refer to a believer as a saint. But you're going to see that's what they're called. Last week, what we saw they were called is the way. They were called people of the way. Because what they did is that they did things the way Jesus did them. It was a long time before they were starting to be called Christians. They were people of the way because they did it the way Jesus did it. They were called saints uh, because they were set apart. They were, they were his. And we've now redefined all that. So, man, I want to encourage you sometime today to look in the mirror. And I want to encourage you when you wake up in the morning and say, I'm a saint. And then I want you to try to live that out. You know, Natalie, you woke up and, and, and all of a sudden the devil was telling you, you're Tom. You're Tom Snowberger. 
Can you imagine? And what if he told you, you're Natalie? Well, your wife wouldn't be happy with that, would she? But you're, you're Natalie. And what, how good would you be at being Natalie? Not very, how good would you get at being Tom? Can you play guitar like him? No. no. Can you cut hair like her? Can you, you can't even surf like her, neither can I. But that's what I'm saying. But, what, but the deal is, the deal is, is she knows she's Natalie. So she can be Natalie, and everything Natalie can be, and you can be you. And if you're not being you, who are you being? Somebody else. Hey, are you going to be as good at being somebody else as you are being you? And if you're not being you, who's being you, Laura? Nobody. And you're ripping the world off because if you weren't necessary, you wouldn't have been created. And what you are is a born-again believer is you are a saint. You are somebody that doesn't have to sin. And when you do, that doesn't become your identity now. What becomes your identity is somebody that realizes they're forgiven and realizes they have the power to move on and not have to live that way and do it. You recover from it. You move on. And yes, you may trip up again in five minutes. Anybody ever do that? Trip up five minutes after you repent it? Absolutely. So what do you do? You stay down and form a new identity? No, you get back up again. And you keep getting back up and keep getting back up. And if you can't get back up, just hold your hand up long enough for him to drag you back up because he wants you back up again. You just keep getting up and one day you're going to be in heaven and you'll never have to get back up again because you will be up eternally in a place forever called paradise where you'll never get in trouble again. And isn't that awesome? When we go out cheese balling, Rob, cheese balling, man, cheese balling is where we just go out and we look for something to do. We're out paddling around and, and we can get in trouble, can't we, cheese balling? Yeah, <laughs> and when you don't have a plan. But man, once again, when you get to heaven, there will be no more trouble. That's your identity. Your home is in heaven, and we need to start acting like our home's in heaven instead of moping around this place, acting like this is our home, and striving for everything that's here, and having our focus on everything that's here, and our dwelling on everything that's here, and we're sad and we're upset because it's not so great right here. Anybody have a time this week where it wasn't so great here? Yeah, exactly. Is there ever going to be a time where it's not going to be so great up there? No, dude, it's going to be awesome. And that's our home. We're only on the job for Christ. And Peter knew that. So, man, the first way God used him as a fisher of men was, was him going. It's me going. If I realize wherever I go, whoever I encounter, man, is for God's purpose. And so look what happens. He came down to the saints who dwell in Lydda. He might have just gotten off the interstate to do a bathroom break. That, he might have been on the way to Joppa and, you know, or, or to get some coffee at racetrack. He got out at Lydda, and look what happens now. There he found. Ha, there he found. Do you think that was an accident? Do you think that guy, that guy uh, there he found it. Do you think somebody lost it and he found it? <laughs> or do you think God set this up? What do you think? Laura, what do you think? God set it up. Is it any different than anything he set up for you? Nothing different than anything he has set up for you. And so he, there he found, look what he found, a certain man, certain. <laughs> who, who is that man certain to? To God. You think God put that man in that place at that time? Now let me ask you a question. If Peter would have been going, oh, you don't know, oh man, I, just, I don't like, they don't have my favorite soda, and coffee's old and cold, and you know, and, and Paul, and Peter just missed this dude. Do you think this dude wouldn't have got healed, wouldn't have got saved? No, because God would have gave the blessing to somebody else. But how often in our complaining, in our whining, in our fussing, do we miss the biggest blessing of our life? and get to be a part of God's story in this. But he found a certain man named Aeneas who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. <coughs> this dude had, had palsy. He had been paralyzed in bed for eight years. Now, how many of y'all, that sounds good. Oh, I wish I could just go to bed for eight years. <laughs> but, dude, eight years. This guy, he had, he had no cure for his situation. And we have no indication he was even looking for one. And look at this. It says, who was a certain man? Now, when we hit the next person, we're going to see that God clearly defines this next person as a disciple. So we have a reason to believe this guy was just a certain person. He was lost. He didn't know Christ. And that was the purpose of this encounter. So they found a certain man named Aeneas who had been bedridden eight years and he was paralyzed. 
hey, Jack, you stop off the interstate, and there's a dude laying outside a racetrack right there. You, and, and you just, man, you want one of those burritos, and you want a coffee. Whatever. Man, are you going to stop? There's a dude who's there, been paralyzed, and he's been, he's been bedridden eight years, and he's laying outside the door. Are you going to go encounter him, or are you going to try to walk around him and ignore him? Honestly. The right thing to do is probably stop and talk. Yeah, I didn't say the right thing, did I? <laughs> what are most of us going to do? We see that. What are we going to do? Oh, yeah. Oh, I think God's calling me over here. You know, to exactly. I got to go get two burritos. Then. Yeah, two burritos. Yeah. But the deal is, is that when you have your mind focused on Christ, you start seeing people as souls instead of bodies. Man, you start being soul conscious for people. Man, you know what? Every person you encounter, you can find something wrong with them, can't you? Like, look at me. Can anybody find something wrong with me right now? Obviously, yes. But if you become soul conscious, man, you're praying for me. When I meet people, man, and I'm filled with the spirit, I'm soul conscious. Everybody's got issues. I can look in here and I'm not going to betray anybody's confidence, but I guarantee you everybody has issues. Look at everybody next to you and just look and just say, you have issues. Just go ahead and tell them. You have issues. And if they say, no, I don't, they have an issue of lying and self-denial, right? Everybody's got issues. I've got issues. And you find what you look for. So let's be soul conscious and realize, do you believe that Jesus can help anybody? Did he help you? How many of you were helpless when he helped you? How many of you were down where you couldn't do anything for yourself and he helped you? That's what he wants to do, but we've got to start seeing people as soul conscious. We've got to start looking at this world eternally instead of right here. The minute your Christianity becomes inverted and it's about you, that's the minute you're in trouble. Because it was never designed that way. It's Jesus, others, and then you receive the benefit. But we seem to keep making it about us. I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but it makes a lasting impression. Anybody here ever have an ingrown hair? Yeah, what's an ingrown hair? What's the word that begins with Z and ends with T? Yeah, Z, an ingrown hair. Is that attractive? But is that not what most of us as believers are? We're ingrown. It's about me. It's about us. Instead of us looking out at this world and being soul conscious, as you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you'll quit looking at you and your eyes will be on others. And this guy who was bedridden eight years and he was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, now, where did Peter get this? He got it straight from God. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus, Christ, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Now, if you're not careful in this story, you're going to focus on somebody who was healed and you're going to focus on somebody who was raised from the dead. And there's good reason for that, because those are two miracles. But what you're going to miss is the point of the story. And the point of the story is what happens after someone gets gets healed and somebody gets resurrected. So follow me on this, because this is a miracle. Anybody here ever have a miracle? I'm not going to ask you to repeat what it was, but anybody ever have God do a miracle in your life? Yeah. Did you know that miracle wasn't for you? Do you know that if you think that a miracle is all about you and that's where it begins and that's where it ends, you've missed the point of the miracle? The miracle is so you can brag on God. The miracle is so that you can prove to others that Jesus' resurrection power is for real. How else are they going to see Jesus alive if they don't see miracles in your life? Is there any way else they can see it? Oh, yeah, they can see it through their life. Well, yeah, and there are people allowing God to do miracles in their life, and they're bragging on him. If you're God, let me ask you a question. Who are you going to do awesome things through? Somebody who just keeps it into themselves and says, oh, God, you're awesome, but I'm not telling anybody about you. Or somebody who says, dude, guess what God just did? What does God want? He wants us bragging on him, doesn't he? If you have the miracle done, something phenomenal, something so supernatural that only he can get blamed for, and all you do is keep it to yourself, yes, you say your faith is increased, but what has he called you to be? He called you to be a witness. Why did he leave you here? What was the last command he gave the church? He said, go and make, what's the word? Disciples. Yeah, that's what he said. Go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Man, he said, and, and, and if you don't know what disciple makes, teach them the things I've taught you. And by the way, I'm with you always. He said, go make disciples. He wants to be bragged on. And so the point of this isn't that this guy who had been um, bedridden for how long was it again? Uh, eight years and paralyzed. It wasn't that this guy got up. That is a phenomenal thing. But that's not the end of the story. That's not the point of any miracle. Everyone that Jesus healed, what happened to them? They died. Everybody that Jesus fed phenomenally with miracles, what happened to them? They died. Exactly. The point's not that miracle. The point of the miracle is to prove that God's resurrection power is alive and it is well. Because it's the only way people can see it. And he wants to do miracles today. But he wants to do them in a way where he will get the credit. He will get the glory. It's not about your comfort. It's about your character. And it's about his glory. It's about him being lifted up. People saying, dude, I want a piece of that. That's what it's about. And so, man, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise, make up your bed. Look what it says. Then help me read this to me. Then he, how fast did he rise? Dude, how many of y'all even got out of bed immediately? Anybody here get out of bed immediately this morning? I know I didn't. Man, because it was cold. And, but, yeah, this guy, he got up immediately. And when God heals, man, yeah, he can take time. And our life of sanctification, becoming more and more like him, is a process. But God can do anything instantly if he chooses to. And there's plenty of things that he's done in our lives instantly. And how many of y'all got saved instantly? One day you heard it, you believed it, and gave your life to Christ. Anybody here? Yeah. You didn't go to school and figure it out and figure it out and figure it out. And thought, oh, I got it. No, dude, when the Holy Spirit came on you and God gave you a desire you couldn't refuse, you couldn't refuse it and you accepted it. Bam. And that's the greatest miracle that he's doing today. Look what it says. He then arose immediately. Now, this is what I want you to see because you're going to see this twice. It goes on. It says, so all who dwelt in Lydda and the plain of Sharon saw him. And what's the next word? Yeah. That's more exciting than one dude who had been paralyzed, laying there for eight years. That's exciting. But what's more exciting to God and should be more exciting to us, and the point of this is that all, did you see that? All who dwelt in Lida and Sharon saw him. And what was that next word? Turn. They turned. That meant they were going the wrong way in life, and they turned. It's another popular term you're going to see in the book of Acts. When people turn from an old lifestyle, and they turn to a new one, and they're walking to him. And then, yes, we have moments where we turn back again, and then we turn back to him. But these folks turned to the Lord. That's the greatest miracle right now. You know, wouldn't it be awesome if whatever disease, whatever problem, my prostate cancer that I don't even know that I have, wouldn't it be awesome if that was healed? I'm just saying, I'm not joking about it because I know there's people in here with illnesses, with things going on, with situations in life, everybody's got something going on. Wouldn't it be awesome to have that instantly fixed? That would be awesome. But would it not be more awesome to see this chair come alive? <laughs> Would it not be more awesome to see this TV screen come alive? Literally something that is dead, literally come alive. Alec and Carrie, would that not teach? Could you not do some science on that, man? Some teaching on that? Dude, I saw this. Yeah. That's the greatest miracle today. And you all have the ability to be a part of it. I have the ability to be a part of it if we're believers. It's why we've been left here to share the gospel. Can we save anybody? Marianne, you've been around a while, right? Can you save anybody? In all your years of being a, a godly woman and a born-again believer, have you ever saved a single soul? No, but what you've done, have you ever seen any souls be saved? It's Jesus that saves them. It's his resurrection power. It's nothing we got to muster up. All we are is a mouthpiece. We are a witness. And as often as we can, we let people see resurrection power that they can't see in this world. So, man, there's the miracle. And God can do miracles. God can heal people who have been down for eight, day, eight years. 
God can do anything instantly right now. God can make blind people see. God can get rid of skin cancer. God can get rid of all kinds of stuff. He can fix all of that. But if somebody never gets born again, they got an awesome body to go to hell with. And they're going to be there forever. It's so much more important and so much greater of a miracle to watch somebody come to Christ. And you know that that was an awesome miracle in your life. And how many of you got caught by surprise? You never thought in the world you'd ever be, you, that would ever be you. Yeah, dude, I'm not being like that. But then you got the desire and ability you couldn't refute. Carol, didn't you used to be the most famous bartender around here? No. No? Yeah, that's what you told me. Were you lying? No. No. Carol, what happened? Carol, what do your friends, what do your friends like say? They, they keep coming to you saying, what happened to you? And what do you tell them? Yeah, you're born again. What a miracle. Man, that was him just coming on you and, do, and doing that. We have a chance to be a part of the greatest miracle ever. And in fact, it's what our one job is, is to continue to share the gospel and let people see it in our lives and see him do supernatural things and then tell them who gets the credit for all of that so that all who dwell in Fort Pierce, all that dwell in Jensen, all that dwell in Port St. Lucie and the plain of Treasure Coast, they will turn to the Lord. That's why we're left here. So if you're not careful, you'll miss what the real miracle is. Yes, it's an awesome miracle, so awesome that people can see his resurrection power, but they need to see the resurrection power so they can be born again. Now, at Joppa, Okay, now he's going to the coastline. Anybody else remember anybody else that went to Joppa in the Bible? Old Testament guy? Has to do with a fish? Jonah. Yeah, Jonah, yeah, he went to Joppa. And he went unwillingly to Joppa because he did not want to see the Gentiles there get saved. He wasn't going, but guess what? God had a way of getting him there, didn't he? And so, uh, but Peter was on his way to Joppa because God had directed him that way. And he's walking. 25 miles, he stopped that racetrack, man. And then he came up, to, came up to Joppa. And at Joppa, there was a certain, what's the next word? Disciple. disciple. What's the difference between a person and a disciple? What's a disciple? Yeah, somebody who has placed themselves under the authority of a teacher and said, we have fear, uh, we trust what you say as an expert, and we're going to do whatever you say. And that's what we are supposed to be making, people that are disciples of Christ, because they see our lives trusting whatever God says and whatever God wants us doing. And so we're doing that, and they see it works in our life. Maybe not instantly every day, but sometimes it's over time they see that. And so they become a disciple. So here's somebody who was probably saved through Philip uh, in Samaria doing all of his preaching. And so at Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. What a nickname, huh? <laughs> it's not really a nickname, all right? Um, Tabitha is her Hebrew name, but she was better known as Dorcas, which is her Greek name. Now, how many of y'all would really rather be known as your Hebrew name if you had a choice between Tabitha and Dorcas? <coughs> but she was known as Dorcas, all right? But that was just her name. But look what she was really known for. They just had to give a name. But how many of you all think of a name of somebody and then you think more of who they are and what they stand for? You identify people with different things, you know what I'm saying? And so she had a name, which the name was important, but more important was what she stood for and what she did. Look at this. This woman was full of, how many of y'all know somebody full of something? All right, how many of y'all are full of something? Look at this. This woman was, read this with me, full of and look at the last part. Don't miss that. Yeah. Now, it, uh, look what the, this woman was full of good works. She was valuable to her society. She was continually doing things. She saw people had needs and she met them. How many of y'all know people like that? Aren't those awesome people? And when you lose people like that in your life and in your church, when people move off, people go, people, man, they're hard to replace. There's so many people that are full of good works and charitable deeds for themselves. But when you find someone who's full of good works where they are constantly looking 
for someone with needs and constantly looking to meet that need, that's a valuable person, isn't it? That's the kind of people we need as friends. That's the kind of people we need to be. And so she was full of good works and charitable deeds. But look at this last part you might miss, which she did. <laughs> it didn't mean she was part of this auxiliary and part of this club and put her name here. And she was affiliated with people who did good works and charitable deeds and just kind of wrote the check. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that because God does give people the ability to give. And I am grateful for that. Because without people who have the desire to give, things don't get done. Because the world does run on finances. But look what it says. She was full of good works, charitable deeds, which she did. She may have been given. I think this woman, when we see how people responded, I think she was the type of person that she saw a need. And she just met that need. Whatever it was. You needed a check. Here's a check. You needed some clothes. Here's some clothes. You need some food. Here's some clothes, man. And I'm just telling you, man, if that's your gift as a giver, man, be that person. If your gift is a gift of serving, be that person. The world needs you so bad because there's so many people who are nothing but takers. And look what happened, man. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. That sounds awesome until you read the next verse. But it happened in those days that she became sick. And what? She died. Why in the world, if God could pick anyone to die... Why would he pick somebody who's doing good works and good deeds? Now, why don't he pick somebody who's worthless? Why don't he pick somebody that's doing nothing? Why don't he pick somebody who's only out for themselves? Why? Why would he, Natalie, why would he not pick somebody who is only out for themselves, who doesn't know him? Why wouldn't he pick that person? Because when they died, where would they go? Yeah. Exactly. You ever wonder why there's people like that in the world that you don't like? You ever wonder why your neighbor's that way, why your co-worker's that way, why that cashier at that store's that way, why that person? Do you ever wonder why in the world would God even let that person stay alive? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever wondered that about anybody? Yeah. I bet you have. And I'm telling you, the reason he's still got them alive is because they're still not saved. And if they die without Christ, they'll bust hell wide open. He's got them there. When he puts them across your path, is it just for you to test your faith and test your endurance? And I am so full of the Holy Spirit. They're not going to make me angry. They're not going to upset me. They're not going to get under my skin. I'm going to walk holy. And we think we've succeeded, don't we? Isn't that success when they push all the right buttons and they don't take us off? Don't you feel good about yourself when that happens? Yeah, we do. And we're pretty proud. Yes, that's Jesus in me. But meanwhile, We've not prayed for them. Meanwhile, we've not looked for a way to meet the need that they have. We've not tried to even ask them and try to care about them to find out why they're that way. Because how many of y'all were that way before you got saved? Yeah, dude. Most all of us were. But that's what happens when we start seeing people soul conscious, man. So God puts this lady who's doing it all. Why, man? Why would that person go? She became sick and she died. And look what happened when they washed her, which is what they did. And they laid her in the upper room. Next thing they were going to put like immediately spices and, and wrap her up and they were going to bury her. And that's what was going to go on. But it just says they washed her and they laid her in the upper room. It was like a light bulb went off in their head. Ding! You ever have a light bulb, anybody? You know? So <clears throat> here it was. Look at the, what their idea was. Since Lida where Peter was, was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there. Ha! Huh. Peter's there, and you know what, dude? Peter healed, healed, this is second guy that we know that he's healed. Remember the guy at the temple? At the temple there that had been uh, down for the count? This guy, we, everybody knows the guy at racetrack, right? Everybody knows the guy on the corner there at Walmart, right, with the sign? Everybody, and, and look, hey, Peter was there. They sent two men to him, imploring him, begging him, do not delay in coming to us. They had an idea. Hey, I wonder how many people, when they have an issue that's too big for them, have an idea. Dude, I'm calling on St. Angela. I bet St. Angela knows what to do. If she doesn't, St. Bree does. And if not, he does, right? <laughs> All right? You know, St. Steve. All right, man. Is that a St. Stephen medal you got right there? No, all right, I'm not so right there. But I wonder how many people 
Seriously. When they have, they need God. When they real, maybe they don't even know they need God. They have something so big in their life, they don't know what to do with it. Dude, you know what? I've seen a change in Tom, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ask Tom and see what he has to say. I'm going to see what Natalie has to say. I'm going to see Milt, big bad biker, man. Back in the day, dude, I can still see you that way. And, and, and now you're a teddy bear working with kids. That's awesome. I want to hear what Milt has to say. I want to hear what Carol has to say. That's why he puts us in these different circles of influence. And that's why we live. That's why we make it through the 40 grit sandpaper on the belt sander. That's why we go through what we go through. And he gives us faith to get through it so that others will see what's going on. Do you remember what we were talking about before? The, the three reasons how God fishes? Help me out. Who remembers them right now? Anybody? It's been a while. Okay. I go. Others know. Now, you know what? You may have been thinking others know means something else, but you know what others know means? Others know, hey, on the job site, man, if I need to know God's perspective, I think I'm going to ask Eden. Others know in the park, man, if I, if, if I want to know about God a little bit, you know, hey, Penny, she has something to do with that church there. And I know Penny, I've watched her. I want to ask Penny. Others know they can come to you. Is that the testimony that you have? I hope it is. And I'm looking at you guys and I'm saying, yes, it is. But understand that when God brings them to you, it's not a burden. Sometimes we view it as, oh, God, I got my own issues. Come on, man. Don't you see I'm buried here? I've got five chairs on top of me. Look, do I look like somebody that can help you right now? Seriously? I hope that made an impression because I'm asking you, is that not what we portray sometimes? Is, is that not what we portray sometimes? Is that not when somebody called you, you just are there, and that's how you react? Jay, I don't really need this. Okay, good. But, man. That's not how it's supposed to be. Man, when God brings you that person, you see it as a soul conscious, spirit filled believer from God's perspective. You realize that they've seen something in your life. And, and it may not because I've, I'm going. It's because other, others are knowing. They know that I walk with him. And they've been watching us for years, months, days. They've been watching us for a long time. And now they're coming to us. And realize that's the purpose of it. So, man, they were like, I got an idea. This valuable lady died. And you know what? I know. I heard Peter was just down there at racetrack. He might even be heading this way. So what happens? They sent two men to him begging him, please don't delay in coming. Now, let me ask you a question. Was Peter any different? St. Peter any different than St. Steve? No, your people. Than, 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 than you, bro? No. St. Jack. <laughs> I like that, man. You know, is he any different than St. Milton? No, because where's the real power coming from in any of us saints? From God. Let me ask you a question. Does St. Peter have any more power than you, St. Carrie? No, but how many of us sure think someone else does? Don't we so often think, oh, they know better. They, they are more powerful. They're more, dude, if we're all plugged in the same God and we're all walking in the spirit of God, man, there's just that much power right there. Look what it goes on to say. Then Peter rose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room where she was washed in there. And all, uh, all the windows, <clears throat> sorry, not windows, widows, widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. So we get an idea of what her ministry was. Now, back in that day when a widow, um, she couldn't go get employment. You know, it was a society where you lived off your husband's income. There was no jobs for women except being a prostitute or a beggar. And so the church took care of its own, which it does have a responsibility to do, and it does have a responsibility to take care of others. And we'll be learning more and more about that in the next few weeks as we'll start seeing that from Peter. But they took care of their widows. And so this lady, Dorcas, Tabitha, you know what she did? She saw that not just anybody had needs. She saw widows had needs that no one else was meeting, and, and, and she provided tunics and garments for him. Whether she made them, shopped feverishly at Goodwill so she could afford to buy them for everybody, or went to the you know, most expensive store in the mall and bought them, we don't know. But she provided something these widows needed, and they were going to miss her. And they were crying, and they were, uh, they were missing Dorcas and showing them, look what she made. She's valuable. 
Let me ask you a question. What's your gift? What's your calling? What is it that God's equipped you to do? What is it that, that, that you can do, the desires that he's given you in your heart that you could do that would meet the needs of others? He's equipped us all very differently. You can't be me and I can't be you, but together is the body of Christ. He compares us, Paul compares us to the body. Some of you are like fingers. Some of you are like hands. Some of you are like feet. Some of you are like nostrils. Who wants to be a nostril? <laughs> How many of y'all want to live without a nostril? You know what I'm saying? Dude, it's all valuable. And when one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts in that. And so when all parts of the body are working, man, you ever had your whole body clicking? How many of y'all can remember back that far? <laughs> Anybody remember back? Lori, you remember back that far? And I'm just messing with you, but seriously, these guys, you don't know what you're in for, man, but <clears throat> it's all good. You grow in wisdom. You learn to work smarter, not harder, but in all of that, man, when it's all clicking, it's awesome. And did you know God's brought enough people here in Driftwood to accomplish everything he wants to accomplish? But everybody's got to do what they're called to do. And you got to do it filled with the Holy Spirit. And I wonder if you're that have made yourself have available to be that valuable in the kingdom. Do you hear what I said? I wonder if you've made yourself that available to God to be that valuable in the kingdom. Every one of you are that valuable in the kingdom, but it's a matter of you making yourself available with your gift to do it. She evidently had. And it's like, why? Why would God let her die? We don't know. God gives, God takes away. But Peter put them all out, and he, uh, <clears throat> and he uh, basically uh, went live on Facebook, and he uh, pulled everybody up. He got a, he got a viewing and um, had everybody all over the world looking in on this. And Peter said, because I am St. Peter, bam, you are healed. And he raised her from the dead. Is that what he said? Now, look what happens. He actually followed what Jesus did. So Jesus would get the glory in this. Peter put them all out, and he knelt down. And, and, and what did he do next? Okay, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all ever come against something that you don't have the power to, to come against? You're called to do things you don't have the power and ability to do. But, yeah, you try to do it, and, and we try to do it, and it doesn't work out, Right? But how many of you have ever realized that you were outgunned, that God called you to do something that you weren't capable of doing, and you got on your face before him, and you, what was the word? Pray. And God did something so supernatural through you that he couldn't be denied. You see what happened? Peter didn't just do what he could do in it. He didn't come up with some great explanation, didn't preach a message. Peter got on his face before God and be prayed. And I don't know what his prayer was, but his prayer was something like, God, if you don't do this, it ain't getting done. God, if it's not supposed to be get done, give me the words to say to him. Give me the actions to comfort him. But God, I believe in your resurrection power. You have the ability to do anything, and you can do it through me. And look what happened. And turning to the body, you remember when Jesus healed Jairus' daughter, and he said, Talitha, little girl, come. Talitha, kumana, kumai. Here he said, Tabitha Kumai. He was remembering back when him and John and James went through that situation and he gained faith from it and he said, Tabitha, arise. Tabitha Kumai. And look what happened. She opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Hey, dude, is that not a cold miracle? Would you not be blown away if somebody died and you watched them and they got raised up? And would you? Yeah, and then died. You're right, Angela. You were listening. That's exactly right. Because that lady, <coughs> if she never gave her life to Jesus, as she's dead, she died and went to hell again. But we know this lady was a disciple, so she died, and where'd she go? Heaven, where she'd never have to be raised up again. And let me ask you a question. Who do you think was upset in all of this? Do you think anybody was upset in all this? Yeah. Who? Tabitha. Tabitha, dude. Can you imagine going to heaven and being with Jesus? I mean, that's the ultimate sacrifice. You are in paradise. And you're like, yes! No more suffering, no more sin, no more Satan, no more sickness, no more death. And all of a sudden, you hear Peter with the resurrection power saying, hey, Tabby, baby, come on out, man. You're like, what? <laughs> hey, Jesus said, come back out. 
and she literally had to crawl back into this world. Man, she crawled back out in this world, but I'm sure she served Christ after that also, knowing that it was just a temporary assignment again. But she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. But I want you to see a similarity in a minute. He said, then he gave her his hand, lifted her up, and when she had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. What an awesome miracle. And I guarantee if anybody saw that happen, we'd have it all over the media, everywhere, and it would be awesome because we don't see things like that anymore. But the next thing we see, we can see, and it's more awesome than this. Guess what it is? And it became known throughout all of Joppa. And what's the next part say? Dude, I guarantee you'd be freaking if these chairs came to life right now. You know, like Alice in Wonderland and the candles, there, you know? Woo! And you guys would all be scattered and running. Dude, do you understand? Do you understand that we have a chance and we not only have a chance, we are implored, we are begged, we are called to be a part of the greatest miracle available to anybody today. We're supposed to be the main change agents that he wants to use. Do you understand God could use this chair to bring people to Jesus? Watch. No, I'm just saying he could use a chair. He could whack people over the head. He could do whatever. But he chose to use you, Destiny. And you, Matthew, and you, St. Stephen. I like that, man. He's going to start asking you to call him that. You're going to make him a little hat and everything? But, but, but seriously, he could use anybody, anything. He could do any of this. But he chose to use us. He wants to do awesome things through us that can't be explained any other way so that people can see his resurrection power and then we can be the witness and mouthpiece to tell them who gets the glory for it? But somehow we still keep getting stuck on ourselves. And instead of counting on that resurrection power, it's like we try to dig ourselves out of a hole. Anybody try to dig yourself out of a hole? You know, if you go out here to the beach and you're in a big hole and you got a shovel and you try to dig yourself out of a hole, what happens? It gets deeper until you call on him and he lifts you out. He wants to do things so supernatural in our lives that only he gets blamed for it. Only he gets the credit for it. And look what happened here. Because of her dying, because of Peter being obedient and all of that, this lady was raised from the dead only to die again, <laughs> but to live it forever in heaven. And many believed on the Lord. That's how revival was happening. Because I go, others know. And what's the last one? God throws. Watch this. And we're almost done, I promise. So it was, he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a Tanner. Now you're like, well, where does that have to do with anything? Well, let me share with you this. We've been studying the Jewish laws and all of that. And what? They can't be around death. Death was ceremonially unclean. Anybody who's dead, dealing with dead things, man, you don't get anywhere near them. Well, let me ask you a question. What's the job of a tanner? What does a tanner do? Skins dead animals, right? Takes dead animal skins and makes them into leather. So this dude, he, a tanner was one of the lowest like, occupations you could have in that day and age. A tanner was always dealing with dead things. A tanner was never clean enough to be accepted in church by the church people because he was ceremonially, he wasn't morally unclean, he was ceremonially unclean. And so people looked at it and said, man, we, you know what, there's gotta be a church for you outside of town somewhere. And that's, what they, that's where they looked at. But he couldn't come into the temple. In fact, if you had, Rob, if you had had your daughter engaged to a guy, you made the contract, there's your last daughter, she's marrying this guy, and all of a sudden you find out he's a tanner, you know what, dude, you can get your money back. <laughs> Seriously, in the, in the Jewish law, you get your money back. You found out he was a tanner because that's how low tanners were. So Peter, who is a good Jew, who did everything so proper and was only holding to Jewish people, first thing God did was send him to Samaria because he was showing them he was opening the gospel up to everyone. The next thing he does, he has him live with a guy who deals with dead stuff. Now, how do you think Peter was feeling about all of this? Do you think Peter was like, hey, watch it? Do you think he was preaching this message to him? 
No, Peter was just obeying God, saying, I'm doing this. I don't understand it, God. My whole life I've been trained to stay away from dead stuff, but I know you want me to stay at Simon the Tanner's house. And I want, because in, in, in the next week we start seeing God tell him to eat stuff. Dude, eat stuff that, dude, Jews don't eat. Do things Jews don't do. Because God was now showing he was going to use Peter to open the gospel up to the rest of the world. He opened it to the Jews. He used Peter and Paul to open it up to the Gentile, to the Samaritans. And now he's going to use it to open up to the Gentiles. Let me ask you a question. Who does God want to use you to open the gospel up to? But you're like, well, I don't know. That's pretty sketchy. I don't know. I don't want to. Well, keep coming. And we're going to see it through the book of Acts. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. But here, man, God was throwing a net. And that's where I want to be. I want to be wherever God's throwing a net. And God was getting ready to throw a net, a cast net. He's throwing a net on the Gentiles. And Peter got to be a part of it. He didn't wait to see the results. Didn't wait to see how it was all going to turn out. He just, in obedience, kept going. And so, again, how does God fish? Help me out. We're done, guys. I know you're trying so hard to stay awake. How are we doing this, man? I go. Others know. And God Dude, if you follow him, you will become a fisher of men because you are going to go. And as you follow him, others are going to know you follow him and he's going to lead you where he's throwing the nets. And it may make no sense at all. But if you are obedient, I promise you won't be disappointed. And in due time, you are going to be a part of something so supernatural over and over and over again that only God can get the glory for. Only God can get blamed for. You hear me say something a lot. I, one of my prayers is, God, do something so supernatural only you can get blamed for. Back at when there was a great awakening in America, back in the day, when there were revivalists and crusaders going around preaching and people were just showing up in tents and giving their life to Christ, and there was revival in America hundreds of years ago. There was a, a pastor or, a, or there was a revivalist, the guy, an evangelist, that that's what he'd do, go into town. And he would ask the, the people in town, who is the least likely person to ever give their life to Jesus Christ? <clears throat> and he would find out who that person was and he would start praying by name and he would pray that prayer and say, Jesus, he'd say, do something so <clears throat> supernatural, only you could get blamed. And that's how God used him. Anybody ever heard of Charles Haddon Spurgeon? God used him to rock some continents for America. And people are even going back to the whole reform system where he preached and preached the word of God. Well, one day, man, I mean, he used to pastor this church where God, people were falling out of the pews, getting saved. And one day he was walking around. He saw five college students. Everybody was coming like they did to Billy Graham crusades just to say they saw him. And five college students were there and they were coming to one of his crusades. They had sacrificed their money, their efforts, energy to get there. And they didn't recognize him. I don't know how, but anyways, he walks up to him and like, what are you guys doing? Like, oh, we're waiting for this big service. We've never seen this guy. We heard awesome things. He said, hey, you guys want to see the heating system for this church? <laughs> That'd be like me saying, hey, dude, you want to see the air conditioning units? Want to go on the roof with me? That's what they were thinking. He walked up to him and said, you want to see the heating system for this church? And the college students were like, well, that ain't, we ain't got nothing else to do, you know. And they walked with him, not knowing it was Spurgeon. And they walked downstairs, and they walked through hallways, and all of a sudden they saw a room where there were 700 people praying. And he said, that's the heating system. He said, when I get up to preach, he said, the only reason anything's happening is because of these 700 people praying, because that was their calling. That's what it's going to take for spiritual awakening to happen in our dark community. Do you believe our community is getting lighter and lighter and lighter? How many of you would testify it's getting darker? We need to get about this business of God. He wants to make us fishers of men. But it takes one more time and I promise we're done. It takes me going, others knowing, and him throwing. And we're all just part of it. Let's bow for prayer. Father, um, you have really just spoken to me about this passage. 
And you've spoken to me many, many ways about it all week. You never even made it make sense to me in a way that I could present it um, till even this morning, and I pray that it has. But Father, um, you've just taken so many pieces of this and implemented it into my life, and you've shown me times when I've been faithful and when I've been unfaithful with this. And Father, right now I want to be so faithful. I don't want to make myself a fisherman, and nobody in here wants to make themselves that. So, Father, we know that if we follow you, you will make us fishers of men. So, Father, help us be soul conscious as we are going to not see people's faults and their flaws and their attitudes and their darkness or even their light and even their good examples. But help us see people in a soul conscious way. Help us be able to recognize people who don't have Christ and not look down on them, but truly realize their eternal destiny and be able to truly pray for them. Have our heart break for what your heart breaks for. Father, the only reason Jesus hasn't come back yet is because you still want to save some people and you've called us as a church to be a part of that. So Father, as we are going, help us to be soul conscious. Not only about our souls, but the souls of others. Help us to follow you in such a way that we would be that way. Help us to follow you in such a way that when people who don't have you or even other believers who do have you and they're going through a time where they need to see life from your perspective, that they will know that that's where we walk and that's where we live. And they will want to know what you have to say through us. But Father, help us most of all to be obedient, to go where you want us to go and do what you want us to do, not try to figure it out schematically, not try to see what makes the most logical sense, but really be in tune, like a guitar that's in tune. Father, pluck us, we're so out of tune, and Father, put us in tune with you so that we can go where you are throwing nets because we can't save people. We can't make them get saved. And anything I could talk someone into, the devil could talk them out of. But Father, help us be so in tune with you that we are being led to do things you will bless. And we're being led to go where you're throwing the net. And all we are is a mouthpiece speaking for you. Because I know, Father, that if each one of us saw people give their life to Christ, we would be so excited. We could not contain ourselves. We'd have to share that with each other. Not how great we are, but how great you are. And we know that's what you desire. Father, I pray that there's somebody here today that has never given their life to Christ, and they are not 100% sure that when they die, they're going to heaven. That today, Father, would be the day that you give them a desire they can't refuse. Father, you just wipe away all their fears and help them realize that walking through the Christian life is going to be full of a lot of unknowns. That's why it's called faith and trust in you where we just surrender daily our desires for your desires. And we're never going to know it all, but you're going to show us it all. And Father... I pray that you would give them a desire they can't refuse to do nothing but surrender their lives to you and know for sure that when they die from this temporary life we call earth, that they'll know they have eternal life in heaven. Father, save someone today and use us in a mighty way. As we go, as others know, and you guide us where you throw. I pray for these things in the name of Jesus.